welcome to mini episode 11 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? Greetings from our little quarantine lair. We are currently in self-isolation. That makes it sound like we haven't washed for like a week or something. Disgusting. What, in our quarantine lair? lair. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're good. We're still washing, don't worry. But we are in self-isolation right now. And loads of people have been asking why. Um, because obviously the governmental advice in the UK is that you should only self-isolate if you are vulnerable. And Dan, unfortunately, is vulnerable. Oh, I'm actually over 70. He is over really 75 <laughs> and has the secret to youth <laughs> and everlasting life. Uh, no, Dan has a heart condition because people have been messaging me going, is Dan okay? Why are you in, in self-isolation? What's going on? Dan has a congenital heart disease. Oh, do you know, why am I speaking for you? You tell them what you have. Uh, you've pretty much done it. I have congenital. <laughs> I have a genetic heart condition, which I've had since I was born, but I didn't know about it until a couple of years ago. No, a year ago. A couple of years ago, two years ago. Two years ago. Um, and yes, it would. I would not be in a very good position if I were to catch this lovely virus that is doing the rounds. So I therefore am lucky enough to be able to work at home. And we are in isolation. Woo! Me for a long time, Emma for maybe slightly shorter. Yeah, hopefully slightly shorter because I I don't I don't know if I'll do well for a long period of time in isolation. Stuck with me. Stuck with you. <laughs> so we've got some uh, listener stories for you today. Are you ready? Yes. Do you know what? I haven't said no for ages. And I feel like I'm doing a disservice. To You're people. letting people down. Mm. People are going to stop listening. I'm sorry, everybody. Story number one comes from Pam. Thanks, Pam. I've had a few paranormal experiences in my life. Here are two of them that really stand out in my mind. My first one, and most notable one, was in a house I lived in with my parents and my siblings. I remember my little sister Katie had what we thought was an imaginary friend, and she would be talking to someone that wasn't there, and when you asked her who she was talking to, she would say, It's my friend, Charlie. She would be watching the TV, and I'd see her bat the air with her hands, saying, Charlie, stop it, I'm watching the TV. One night I was babysitting Katie, and I heard on the baby monitor that Katie had gotten out of bed. I heard the baby gate open, and could hear her running around on the landing. I went upstairs ready to tell her off, only to see that she was fast asleep and the baby gate was shut. (laughs) The landing was also ice cold, and I got goosebumps all over my body when I went upstairs. And this was a regular thing when any of my family went upstairs. Other strange things happened. I remember one time my mum freaking out because she'd lost her wedding ring. She was so upset and we turned the house upside down. She was convinced it had been stolen and wouldn't let us have any friends around anymore. A couple of months later it just appeared on the mantelpiece. As if it had been there all along. Things like this happened all the time. One time I even overheard Katie say... Charlie, it's not funny anymore. Give my mummy her ring back. My dad was the biggest sceptic, but this all changed one evening. He was on the landing where our computer was, and he said he went cold all over, and out of the corner of his eye, he thought Katie was stood next to him. He started to talk to her, and when he didn't get a response, he turned his head, and he saw a little girl that wasn't Katie. No. And she disappeared really quickly. We asked Katie to describe her friend Charlie as she was always insistent that Charlie was a girl despite the name and she described exactly what my dad saw. 
At this point, we were convinced that Charlie was a child spirit that for some reason had latched onto my little sister. We just accepted it. And whenever I got the goosebumps on the landing, I would say, not now, Charlie, and it would subside. I moved out and my parents told me the older Katie got, the less strange things happened in the house. My little sister is now 15. She doesn't remember any of this and only knows what we have told her. Another strange thing that happened to me was a few years ago. My husband's mum had just passed away and we were in bed and he got a call from work to say the shop alarm was going off and he had to go in and sort it. I never fully sleep when he isn't in the house, so I was laid in bed just drifting in and out of sleep and I heard someone coming up the stairs. I then felt someone in the room with me, that feeling you get when someone's watching you. I turned around to speak with him and I saw a bright figure. It was wearing a gown and looked like a woman. Before I could process this, she disappeared. I told my husband when he got home and we are both convinced it was his mum. It was like she realised he wasn't there and disappeared. Story number one. Mm-hmm. Second one is sad. Second part of it is sad. Yeah, but I like that she's come back to I visit like that him. I come back, but she came back and he wasn't there. Yeah, but you know, she can come back again. That's true. Not so keen on Charlie, no? No, no, definitely not keen on Charlie. Charlie is not. No. It's a ghost child. It's a child. It's a ghost. It's not a good combination. I am more and more convinced the more we hear these stories from listeners that Children that have imaginary friends are actually seeing ghosts. Yeah, you wonder, don't you? Every time. Now, I'm convinced by it. We've had so many stories where it's, that's been the case. I really liked Ugh. the bit with... Not liked, because I didn't like it, but the bit with the wedding ring. When I... A couple of years ago, it's not actually that long ago, when I was still living in Ireland. So we have this thing in Ireland where you like pray to St. Anthony. So if you're an Irish listener, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you lose anything... An Irish mammy will always be like, say a prayer to St. Anthony and you'll find it. So St. Anthony in Catholicism is like the patron saint of lost things. So you say a prayer to St. Anthony and then, you know, you find it. So that was like such an Irish, that's such an Irish thing. And I lost a piece of jewellery. I think it was a chain that somebody had given me or maybe a ring. And I hadn't seen it for months. And I was like, I wonder where that fucking chain is. And I was looking all over for it and I couldn't find it anywhere. My mum was obviously like, say a prayer to St. Anthony. And I did standard because you do what your mom tells you and i went into my bedroom and it was on my pillow i wonder how weird is that if this is irish mammies reinforcing catholicism by stealing your stuff then saying right to Anthony and then, then putting it there again. it's like santa yeah um <laughs> I, yeah so i just but i said to my mom i was like did you put that ring out? did you find no because she asked me afterwards did i find it but she definitely didn't put it there. That was the thing. That was my takeaway from it. So you think? So I think. Because if unless... I had done that and you'd asked me whether I'd put it, whether I'd seen it, unless I'd come to you and say, "Oh, have you found that yet?" Unless it was an well, if you made that face, I'd know you're you would nobody put it saw there. That face, and so nobody knows what you're talking about. Unless the whole lost things suddenly turning up in random places is actually just an Irish mammy conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, that's and what I'm saying. And that's we've uncovered it right now. So that is what I'm saying to you. <laughs> That is what I'm saying to you. Are you ready for another story? Um, I just want to say mm-hmm. that it could have also been ghost children. Could have also been ghost children. Mm. That put my jewellery back. Yep. Oh, gross. You never know. Well, I'd rather not. I just liked how the, the, her, the kid's relationship with um, Charlie was quite natural. 
Seems like quite sibling-y relationship. Yeah, and she didn't really... Charlie doesn't seem to be causing any mischief. She's just a bit... Creepy. All little ghost people are creepy. All right. Do you mean children ghosts? I mean all ghosts. Okay. (laughs) We're inclusive in this podcast. (laughs) All ghosts are creepy. And the second story is from Brighton. Oh, thanks, Brighton. So my grandfather has five children... Two sons, one being my father, and three daughters. My grandparents still live in our native village, while my father and his siblings move to a city in their 20s. Every vacation we get, we try to go visit them as much as possible. But during a single vacation, out of the five of our families, only one or two would visit, at the most three. But once it happened that all five of us decided to visit them together, We have a two-storey bungalow where my grandparents currently live, but we also own a house right behind it, which has been abandoned for quite a while now. Now, we all wouldn't be able to live there in that one house, so my uncle decided that we'll dust that abandoned house out and then some of us can stay there. My grandmother got furious at this notion and started yelling, saying that nobody should go into that wretched house, that it's haunted. But my uncle ignored her and decided that all the men would live in the haunted house. The first night, I slept at my father and uncle in the second storey of the abandoned house, which is three-storied. The house had no furnishings whatsoever, so we used to sleep on the floor. I was watching two and a half men on my mobile in the middle of the night, and I laughed out loud. My father woke up and he scolded me, saying, Stop disturbing the others and go to sleep. So I pretended to sleep, and after I went back to sleep, I took my sheets and my pillow and went to the third floor And continue to watch up there. No, bad move, bad move. The next morning, I felt suffocated, as if someone had their hair over my head. I tried removing it out of my face. As much as I tried, I wasn't able to breathe. And then I woke up. Now I'm an atheist. I don't believe in anything. So I thought it must have been a nightmare, and I didn't take it too seriously. But it happened for the next three days. At this point, I was scared. And I'm a coward, so I moved to the second story, back with my father and my uncle. I selected a random Pink Floyd album and put my headphones to the highest volume and went to sleep. In the middle of the night, I felt someone tap me on my shoulder continuously. And as soon as I woke up and removed my headphones, I could hear a girl laughing and running down the stairs. Oh, get out. I could hear her footsteps. I was livid, because I thought it must have been my little sister. And I ran after her to give her peace of my mind. I heard her open the back door and run out. Right outside the house is the yard, which now has overgrown trees and bushes. It has no lighting at all. So I could see a girl wearing white, with long hair, enter the trees, who was, to be frank, a little bit too tall to be my sister. But it didn't hit me back then. One look at those trees and bushes and I thought to myself, yeah, I'm not doing that. Sensible man. Thinking that I was up anyway, I might as well get myself something to eat. As soon as I entered the living room of the main house, surprise, surprise, my sister was fast asleep on the couch. First the hair incident and now this, I was freaked out. So I found a corner in the main house, curled up and slept there. I didn't even go back for my sheets and pillows. From that day till the day of our departure, I never went to that house during the night. So on our last day there, everyone was busy packing and me being a lazy ass, I didn't. We had our train at five in the morning, so everyone was up by two. 
My mother told me to pack my bag, which, unfortunately, was in the abandoned house. So I went there, found my bag, checked if everything was there, picked it up and turned. And there it was, standing beside the door. White dress and long, thick hair. Again, emphasis on me being a coward. Didn't give her a second look. Threw my bag, closed my eyes and ran all the way back to the main house. Found the same corner and sat there. I told my mother that my bag had been packed and it's at the other house. And I didn't tell anyone else about what happened. Nope. No, no, no. No, no, no. Your move was separating from the pack. That was your, that was your wrong move. You just stayed on the second floor. He would have been okay. Yeah, but he did go onto the second floor and she still... Yeah, because she'd already, he'd already woken her up. Oh, I he just see. Stayed on the second floor to begin oh, I with. see. Dan logic. Been all right. Yeah. Gotcha. No, perfect order. Perfectly ordinary logic. I think you'll find stunning logic. Brilliant. And then it followed and it attached itself to. It. I think she probably just fancied him, but it's just a bit creepy. Sounds a little bit there, uh, flirty and playful. Yeah, it did. Obviously, not helpful if you're the undead. Do you it, know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how we feel about like relationships between ghosts and non-ghosts. It reminds me of that um, Wrigley's extra advert. Oh, yeah, the one where she's like, yeah, but I'm pretty hot. And then they make out and the zombie's arm falls off, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's not, that's really creepy. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he is, he sounds like a sensible lad. Yes, he sounds like, I mean, I'm... follow the ghost or the woman or the little girl into the woods, very sensible. And also a big fan of getting a snack in the middle of the night. Yeah. Love that. Just launches his bag and runs out when he sees her. Sounds good. Sounds like a very you energy. I also feel like if a ghost is trying to hook up with you, playing hard to get is probably a good move. Yeah, definitely. In general, playing hard to get, good move. Yep. Um, So, (laughs) he sounds like a pretty (laughs) clever lad, but it's still freaky. I just don't like the idea of um, waking up with the hair in your mouth. That's enough to make you feel like you can't breathe properly. That's quite a lot of hair. It's It's very grudgy. One bim hair in your mouth, Makes me think of the grudge, and I don't like it. Mm. I've got one more story. Okay. But this story comes with a trigger warning because it mentions, doesn't discuss it in detail, um, and it is a very well-written story, but it mentions childhood sexual abuse. And the person who wrote this story and wanted to remain anonymous for obvious reasons um, and wanted me to caveat the story with this the story about abuse and I want you to make sure your listeners are aware. So, if that is something that you can't handle, I know that everybody's feeling particularly sensitive at the moment because of being on lockdown and all that stuff then just skip on skip on to the end you don't need to listen to it but are you ready no so i've just started listening i've been binging your show while on long drives because it keeps me awake out of fear and interest and i started to think about if there's been any unexplained experiences in my life so far i can only think of one but it's not really a ghost story As a warning, I will mention childhood sexual abuse. There are no details about it, but it's mentioned. For context, I'm more of a sceptic than a believer. I'm not religious, but my father is a Baptist pastor. Growing up, my family never really discussed things like ghosts or demons, and my siblings and I weren't allowed to use things like Ouija boards or get palm readings or any sort of pagan or spiritual rituals. I also have three older siblings, a brother and two sisters. In here, I mainly describe them as the eldest sister and the chatty one. 
So being a pastor's kid, I spent a lot of time at church. One day, one of my sisters and I were wandering around the church before the service, trying not to be bored. We went into a room that was sort of like a lounge area used for the ladies' Bible studies. I was probably about seven, and she was around nine. It was on the floor below the sanctuary, and there was one door connecting to a lobby, and one connecting to the kitchen, and one connecting to a single bathroom stall. So we go into this room, and the door to the bathroom is open. I have to go, so I head over and see a large rat in the corner of the bathroom. I turn back to my sister and call her over. But when I turn back, I see the rat transform into a man. What? And suddenly there's also a young girl beside him. The girl is older than me, but still young. Both of them look familiar, but I can't quite figure out how it is that I know them. So I'm shocked and confused, and I look over at my sister, who is also startled. The man asks, What's wrong? And I sort of stutter out, well, well, there was a, there was a rat in here. He says, oh, well, that's not good. We'll help you look for it. The man and the girl start looking around the bathroom on their hands and knees and my sister and I exchange a glance. So we also get down there and start looking for the rat. We look for a bit. Then the girl says, oh, it must have ran into there and points to a small hole in the wall in between the sink and the wall across from the bathroom door. I look at it and start to say, oh, Okay, but when I look back at them, they're gone. My sister and I ran out of there, and from that day on, I was terrified of that bathroom. I refused to go in there and even avoided going to the adjacent room. Now, you're probably thinking that story is totally crazy and bullshit, but I'm not done. While it was a crazy thing to happen, in my mind, it was so incredibly real that I just accepted it without question. I was scared, and I never discussed it with my sister or anyone else. Until one day when my siblings and I were chatting, and we brought up how some parts of the church were so creepy, and I casually brought up that time with the rat in the bathroom to the above-mentioned sister. She had no idea what I was talking about. I was probably 20 or so at the time, and that was when I realised that what happened was a dream. It had stuck with me for like 13 years as the gospel truth, And it only then hit me that it was ridiculous and it just couldn't have been real. Thinking back on it, I had no memory of what I did before or after the incident. And more damning was the fact that my extremely chatty sister had been silent the whole time. So after that interaction, of course, my siblings demanded to hear the full story, which I told them. After I told my tale, there was a sombre feeling in the room. As we all came to a realisation, my eldest sister not the one in the story, said, I know who the girl was. It was me. That sister had been abused as a child by a deacon in my father's church. What's more, one of the places that it had happened commonly was in the church bathrooms. The memories were repressed and we all knew nothing about it until I was 16. I remember 16 exactly because it was on my sweet 16th that my eldest sister read the diary of another one and saw the passage about the deacon. That unearthed a lot of stuff buried down on my eldest sister and what happened from then was a very upsetting turn of events. But thankfully my family has stuck together through it all. So after that revelation, I'm sure that man was the deacon. Now when I think about the dream I see his face, but that might be just because of the suggestion that it was. Anyway, 
the conversation continues forward. We start discussing how maybe our dreams can have a greater meaning. At this point, my other sister, the chatty one, says, I had one like that too. Every year on Christmas Eve, we have a Christmas Eve service and a big part at the end is standing in a circle around the room holding hands, turning off the lights and singing Silent Night. In the dream, my chatty sister was standing at the back of the sanctuary in the circle. Everyone was dressed all in white. She saw my dad at the front near the pulpit, my mum was next to her, my brother was in one corner and I was in another. All of us had candles lit. Then she saw our eldest sister. She was standing alone in a door near the front of the sanctuary. The door leads to a stairs into the lobby which was adjacent to the room in my dream. She was in all black and if I remember correctly she was trying to say something but my sister just couldn't hear her. Hearing this gave us all a chill and my eldest sister wondered if we as a family had been more open to the more spiritual side of things could we have realised sooner. Anyway I might have gotten some details wrong on my sister's dream. This conversation was about four or five years ago now and right now we're getting ready to celebrate her wedding so it's not exactly a good time to ask her about the dream. I know it isn't really paranormal but it's something that has always left me wondering. Did we have the dreams because of something we saw, because of something we sensed or was something greater trying to warn us? Nowadays I'm a scientist and I'm hesitant to believe that it was some sort of premonition but if I'd seen something If after all I've found out by now, why would I still not remember seeing it? All in all, I've learned to trust my gut. By the time I was in middle school, that deacon creeped me out. But I never said anything because he was such a close family friend. I'm still a sceptic on the paranormal side of things, but I'm a firm believer in bad vibes and I listen to them now. That's an interesting story. Gives me the heebie-jeebies. For obvious reasons. Yeah, makes me cross. Not the story. The, the situation, situation yeah. obviously. Um, but I think I think families have like a greater connection than we understand. Definitely. Especially if you've got close siblings. And I think we sense things. We sense when our siblings or our family members are going through something, even if we don't consciously know what it is we're sensing. So I think it was probably your child brain sensed something wasn't right with your sister like she was going through something but as we've said before or as i've said before and you've listened (laughs) um i do feel that not all of our dreams but some of our dreams i do feel like sometimes dreams are used as a a medium to communicate things to us do you think so whether it's uh uh in a like the form of a, a premonition or sometimes just to give us some kind of explanation or some kind of in an understanding of something or to inform a wider picture. I think, I think personally that that's the case, but I'm not saying that for every dream. I do still think we have batshit dreams that mean nothing. Yeah. Um, but I still think, I do actually think it's a, a medium that's used. And I guess if you're, you know, if you're being brought up in a spiritual back, spiritual religious background, then there's some context for that in the Bible as well. And about, you know, God communicates through dreams in, the, in those things, but is there? Yeah like joseph's big powers dream interpretation that's what saves him from being killed you know the technicolor dream cloak oh i close my eyes that one Drew back the curtains ah. yeah that guy <laughs> um but that's what stopped him from being killed and uh, there's other people as well and so that's the, like that sort of 
in scripture and if it's in the bible i'd imagine it's probably in other religious texts as well because we know that there's a lot of overlap isn't there from that crossover sort of yeah first people um early religions and stuff like that so it's interesting it's very interesting um and it's sort of positive ending as well which is good yeah it is a positive ending and i'm i i just feel i just i'm sorry that your family went through that some people are just awful mm. awful awful people if you enjoyed this week's episode I feel like you should have another line after that story. Yeah, I really, I just said that and went, (laughs) (laughs) if you want to hear more from us, is that better? If you want to hear more from us, you can find us over on Instagram. We are on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. Dan is on Instagram. At 15P Movie Club. We are on Twitter. At Real Ghost Pod. We are on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give us a little like. We have a supergroup or LGS supergroup and the password is... Emma and Dan and Tiny Beam, if you want to put that in. You can send us your stories to Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com. You can also donate money to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Real Life Ghost Stories. The link is in the, in the description of this episode. In the description. I can never say that in my accent. The link is in the description of this episode. Um, For $5 a month, you get an extra spooky episode a week. And for $2 a month, you get access to the complete back catalogue of 50p Movie Club, which is... Um, a podcast where me and Dave Keane discuss 50p pieces and their importance in history. Also, in light of current world events, which oh, is... Yeah, no pressure to sign up to yeah, anything. Yeah, please don't, you know. At all. And also... I get that a lot of our Patreon subscribers are like artists, fellow podcasters. Please feel free to delete your Patreon pledge if your freelance work or whatever it is that you do for a living is or looking... Or equally if you just don't want it anymore. Well, like, that too. There's no pressure to that keep That too. But I know there have been people messaging who have been like, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to keep trying to donate to your Patreon. But, oh, don't even worry no, about don't. it. Like really, it's quite it's cool. Like, like we know stuff goes on. We yes. know, uh, particularly in this time that we're in, money needs to go elsewhere. We are just happy that you're listening to the freebies. So exactly, you can keep doing that. That would be wonderful. And if you and this is such an uncertain time for all of those artists and freelancers and lots of different people, people who are like waiters, waitresses, bar people, whoever it is. Um, a really like a free thing that you can do to support people is just like follow them on social media, engage with their posts. It might be that they are making money from advertising or making money from sponsorships or ads on Instagram or whatever it is. If your friend has some sort of creative medium, the way to support them is just to share them on social media because it might be that that extra listen gets them a bit of extra money, whatever it is. So there are free and easy ways to support people. If your local bar, restaurant or cafe comes up with some new scheme for takeaway deliveries and you can afford them, please do it because it will keep them taking over. And I'm just thinking about the unicorns delivering pints of real ale. That is just amazing. The Unicorn Inn is our one of our local pubs. Um, local shout out local. to Lorenzo. What a babe. He is starting like a pub dinners delivery service it comes with, with delivered comes real with ale i'm so excited pints you don't the- understand like i'm not a massive drinker but i we have the advice that we've had from the government is that i'm gonna have to self-isolate for 12 weeks minimum at this stage which, yeah which is means no social interactions which means there's definitely no chance of going out to the pub which means the garden is probably the furthest i'm going to get so the thought of being able to get takeaway beer from a tap is oh 
Amazing. So thanks, Laurie. (laughs) And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.